G'day. You're listening to The Misadventures of Bo Hogart and the Brilliant Blue-Eyed Woman. My name's Vic, plume.com. Chapter 18, Highway to Heal. That's H-E-A-L, Highway to Heal. Enjoy. was back behind the wheel of the spluttering sauerkraut express jamming along with bob marley hans was riding in the shotgun seat and gretel was sitting between us it was good to have a good looking woman sitting by my side hell who was i kidding any woman who sat by my side was looking good Turning off Highway 70, we soon entered the main street of a town called something. It was a small town, but highway billboards had indicated it was big enough to sell liquor, making me believe at least two people lived there. One person to sell the booze and another person to buy it. Veering off the bitumen, we crossed a dusty expanse of nothing and pulled up at an old roadhouse, parking in front of an antique gas pump in between a shiny jet black Jeep Wrangler convertible and an old 1972 door Rambler Ambassador. I grabbed a handful of cash from Stains's stash and handed it to Hans and Gretel, telling them to buy themselves some gingerbread or whatever they wanted and to get me a bottle of whiskey and to pay for the gas. My two backpacking buddies bounced up the steep concrete steps, disappearing behind the doors of the roadhouse while I fueled up the folks' wagon. On completion, I made my way along a tree-lined path to the restroom situated out back. After straining the peas, I turned toward the sink and saw something I couldn't believe. I'd found the mother load, sitting directly in front of my bloodshot eyes and begging to be freed from behind a secure but easily picked locked cage door labelled janitor were a pair of bright orange coveralls with some Elvis style shades poking out of the top pocket a pair of snakeskin cowboy boots a 10 gallon hat and wait for it 180 four ply toilet rolls stacked in the shape of a pyramid it seemed businesses actually did put toilet paper in their restrooms you just had to get there early enough before people like me stole them this was too good to be true i'd soon have enough ass wipes to get me to vegas and back to new york i stashed the hippie wig beard and caftan in a mop bucket and climbed into my new cowboy janitor costume then in one huge scissor motion i picked up close to 150 toilet paper rolls and walked out of the restroom. The sun shone warmly on my contented self as I walked back down the tree-lined path, casually losing three or four rolls with every step. But as I neared the combi, that old brown Ford I didn't love so well appeared. Leaving the bitumen sideways and producing an ear-shattering screech of rubber so shocking, I involuntarily threw 100 toilet rolls about 50 feet into the air. It was the gun-happy red and baldy. As 100 rolls of poo paper rained down on me, I remembered my pistol was in my hand luggage inside the combi. My instincts kicked in immediately, directing me to pick up toilet rolls like a bumbling roadhouse employee. 
Red and Baldy leaped out of the Ford, their doors almost snapping off at the hinges. Ignoring the fumbling shit paper shuffling janitor in the orange coveralls, they bolted toward the roadhouse, shooting the combi's tyres as they passed. Hans and Gretel appeared from the roadhouse doors with my bottle of booze and two ice cream cones, their tongues frozen mid-lick at the sight of the wobbling combi. Running toward the front steps, Baldy yelled, Check the restroom! I'll meet you out back! Red peeled off up the tree-lined pathway, and Baldy ran up the steep concrete stairs of the roadhouse, jumping four steps at a time, eventually forcing Hans to leap out of his way. Gretel politely opened the door for Baldy, just long enough to quickly shut it and reopen it. As his skull struck the hardwood door, the sound of a railway sleeper hitting a coconut for a home run echoed throughout the compound, and Baldy collapsed onto the concrete like a blind prize fighter falling onto a canvas cloud filled with lost dreams. I ran to the deflated combi, grabbed my hand luggage and pistol, and called out to Hans and Gretel in my new southern drool. Daggammit, y'all! Don't just stay in there, it's time to vamoose! Who the hell are you? Gretel yelled. It's all new me, I declared. I'm Bo! I dumped the beard. Let's go! I ran to the brown Ford and checked the ignition for keys. No keys. Rambler Ambassador? No keys. The Jeep Wrangler Convertible? Bingo! No keys, but a vehicle I knew how a hot wire fast. Hans and Gretel had walked down to the lowered combi and were standing in front of it, staring like a couple of wannabe first home buyers who just lost an auction. Grab your backpacks and hurry, I said, running over to the dumbstruck duo and grabbing my whiskey. There's another killer out back, and this one's awake. I ran back to the jeep, leapt inside and ripped down the wiring from under the dashboard. Hans and Gretel ran over with their backpacks and jumped in. He's waking up, yelled Gretel. Oh my God, yelled Hans. Christ on a bike, yelled I, looking up to see Baldy rising unsteadily with pistol in hand. I connected the wires and the jeep shot forward into a post but didn't start. Uh, it's in gear, I yelled as yelling seemed to be appropriate. Baldy, now standing unsteadily upright, was waving his shooter in our direction. I knocked the gear shift into neutral and tried again. Bingo! It didn't start but the display showed a full tank of gas. A bullet flew past my hair hole and quenched its thirst in my newly acquired whiskey bottle. Gretel and Hans screamed in unison. I'd lost a bottle of whiskey, so I screamed louder than both of them. Get down! Baldy was letting them rip like an old dog after dinner. Red came racing out of the roadhouse, accidentally hitting Baldy with the door, catapulting him over the concrete stairs like Superman having a bad hair day. Baldy landed hard, but managed to unleash his barking pistol while lying prostrate, spitting bullets at us with venomous velocity. Red joined in, firing at us from the top of the roadhouse stairs. I tried the wires again and the jeep started. As I slammed it into reverse, the wheels spun furiously and we flew back about 10 feet. Grab the wheel! I roared, ramming the gear shift into drive and powering forward through our own cloud of dust. Gretel gripped the steering wheel and hands gripped the dash as I pulled my pistol from its holster, firing all five shots at the Ford's front tyre, hitting everything in sight except for Red, Baldy and the tyre. My pistol was now out of bullets and things weren't looking good 
unless you believed in paradise on the other side and I wasn't yet ready to receive my great reward. As we sped away, Red ran over and opened the Ford's trunk while Baldy threw his dazed ass into the driver's seat. Focusing forward, I seized the steering wheel and hung a ripping right onto Highway 70. Who the hell are you? Gretel bellowed, her long hair whipping around erratically. Uh, Bo Hogart, Private Detective Third Class. Thanks for the warning, Hans shouted sarcastically. I checked the rearview mirror. Uh, you want a warning? Well, be warned, it ain't over yet. Looking behind them, Hans and Gretel saw the flying Ford skidding sideways onto Highway 70, flicking in front of a fully laden horn-blasting international semi-trailer. Red, riding shotgun, leaned out of the passenger window and aimed a rocket-propelled grenade, aka an RPG, directly at us. Ach, mein Gott! Hans cried. They've got the fucking berserker! Take the wheel! I cried, leaping into the back in search of something to put off the afterlife and finding a half-filled gas can. Hans, give me your lighter! I screamed, watching Baldy swerve the Ford to the wrong side of the road, giving them a clear shot at us with the rocket. Red steadied his wind-blown bazooka, and I screamed from the bottom of my shorts at the top of my lungs. Get in the left line! The left line! At a speed faster than both cars combined, the smoking projectile, with a warhead the size of five large cans of baked beans, and with five million times the ability to get your bowels moving, came charging directly at us. I informed all interested parties, It's a heat seeker! Gretel weaved over to the left side of the road, causing the missile to waver left then right, before evening out and rapidly making another beeline for us. Like a starving pit bull running at a bleeding sheep. The afterlife was looking closer than I'd ever expected, and with a rocket to help us along, there was a good chance we'd reached the pearly gates sometime last year. Oh, you're early, my son. Take a seat and someone will be along to take care of you. Uh, that's okay. I've already been well and truly taken care of, thank you. I'll come back when you're not so busy. It's a fucking heat seeker! I yelled again with equal importance but even more concern. Hands, give me your t-shirt! I steadied myself with legs wide apart. But it's a present from my mother! Well, you'd better take it off then because it's about to be severely stained by an RPG. As the missile hit the jeep's airspace, Gretel wheeled the car around head-on toward the Ford, causing the RPG to arch and twist before making another beeline for our hot gas-exhaling asses. With the Ford in front and the rocket-propelled pit bull behind us, we were now players in a suicidal game of super chicken. Grabbing the t-shirt and a lighter from the hesitant hands, I soaked the shirt with gas, stuffed half of it into the can, and lit it. With two seconds left until the ravenous rocket hit our collective ass, I hurled the flaming can high into the air and yelled, Go to daddy! The hateful heat-seeking hornet immediately changed course, flying furiously through my legs and up toward the flaming t-shirt and its canned companion. As the can began falling, the rocket missed it and instead flew through the t-shirt's flailing flames. With only seconds until the Ford and Jeep combined to become the all-new jawed feep, 
Baldy swerved one way, Gretel swerved the other, and the flaming gas can struck the Ford and exploded, cracking the occupants' nerves at the same time as their windshield, which was now covered in waving fingers of flame, busily beckoning the RPG to come and join the party. The mongrel missile immediately accepted the warm invite and made a beeline for the Ford's flaming windshield. With only a few feet until impact, Red screamed, We'll all be fucking killed! Baldy heaved the steering wheel to the right, almost giving the brown Ford a brown interior as the vehicle suddenly somersaulted sideways, like a horizontal high diver flipping over and over onto the other side of the road. Landing on its sparking roof, the Ford slid into the path of the trailing semi-trailer. The truck's energetic impact sending the calisthenic car spinning in insane circles like an empty soda can being struck by a raging rhino. With nowhere else to go, the bloated bullet entered the truck's grill, stopping the big rig dead in its tracks. A monstrous metallic screech echoed across the skies, followed by a thunderous fireball so visually intense it made the sun squint as the truck's windows, door and engine erupted into the air. Momentum pushed the ass end of the truck's titanic shipping container upward, flipping it 180 degrees, the colossal canister's rigid steel corner gouging out an Olympic-sized swimming pool into the asphalt. The remaining momentum continued pushing the container, flipping it again, this time slowly, just 90 degrees, leaving it teetering precariously like a shaky 50-storey building after an earthquake. The smoking Ford, still spinning on its roof, gradually came to a stop, leaving Red and Bulljack seated upside down and looking straight ahead. They'd actually survived the disaster and couldn't believe their luck. But while enjoying their silent moment of sun-filled serenity, a depressing metallic groan filled the air followed by an ominous darkness looming over them like a swooping eagle's short-lived shadow. Jack and Red turned and looked into each other's eyes. <coughs> Unclipping their seatbelts, they fell, cracking their heads on the car's interior roof, just as the Titanic container came crashing down across the ass end of the Ford's trunk, catapulting the car high into the air like a flipped matchbox. Ascending ever skyward, Jack and Red screamed again and again, the pitch of their combined scream rising and falling with the accompanying G-forces of their wild rotating rocket ride that no theme park would ever dare contemplate. When the Ford finally reached its zenith, it sat upright, temporarily frozen in mid-air. The panoramic bird's eye view was spectacular. Undulating rectangular fields of assorted sizes and colours covered planet Earth like a gigantic homemade quilt spread over thin pillows on an endless bed. Highway 70 itself looked like a long, thinning pen line, a small black four-wheeled ant busily scurrying along it toward the horizon. 
A warm, silent breeze puffed in where the car's windows once lived and some geese flying by in a V formation looked into the vehicle, making unruffled honking sounds as they passed. Out of nowhere, a large, white-eyed, glossy black crow dropped onto their hood with a tinny, claw-clattering clunk, twisting its head left, then right. It checked out the two wingless freaks in the peculiar flying machine. Ignoring the inquisitive bird, Red observed the black ant scurrying along the highway, flatly stating, Yeah, looks like they're getting away. After a slight pause, Bulljack replied matter-of-factly, It certainly does look that way. Then, as if perfectly choreographed, Red and Baldy fastened their seatbelts and dropped from the heavens. Leaving the crow exactly where it was, cackling. <laughs> Falling through the atmosphere, Red appreciated it was a truly amazing moment, shared only by the likes of Neil Armstrong and Felix Baumgartner. And although the fall was thrilling, the fun part was spoiled by the unwanted knowledge that the sudden stop at the end would bring an end to more than just their radical rocket ride. Time again seemed to slow, giving Red a moment to reflect on his life, growing up, going to school, his late mother's warm hugs, people who'd come and gone, good and bad career decisions, the existence of God, and what he'd do given a second chance. Looking over, Red could see Bull Jack was far too angry to be reflecting on anything except regret at not having killed the man responsible for his impending end. As the Ford picked up downward speed, death seemed certain. But before they hit the ground, they hit some power lines. Slowing their fall and leaving the car sitting just one inch off the ground. It was too good to be true. Quickly unfastening their seatbelts, they opened their doors and each placed one foot back onto the planet Earth, only to be charged in advance by the electric company with a zillion crackerhertz of vigorous voltage, freezing them in their seats with red-hot electrical energy, searing their eyelashes and bloating their eyeballs till they were popping out of their smoking heads. Then, with one almighty ringing swing, the straining power lines hurled them and the car back into the sky. Past the same incredulous crow and back down to earth for another stimulating electrical energy boost. This time snapping the power lines, allowing the Ford to earth itself five times in pounding succession before coming to a standstill. Red and Baldy shared another quiet moment of solitude inside what remained of their crumpled vehicle, a diminishing cloud of dust falling around them. Smoke rose from their collars and bulging blisters on Bulljack's head grew and collapsed like overheated cheese in a microwave oven. Their old friend, the Cheeky Crow, dropped down to have another cackle at its funny ex-flying freaky friends. Landing with another claw-clattering clunk, it jumped from one foot to the other before hot-footing it away from the hooded hot plate, releasing a succession of hearty facts as it flew into the fucking distance. The two smoking suits continued sitting in screaming silence, staring ahead, stunned. 
A set of intermittent electrical sparks fizzled from behind the dashboard, followed by small flickering flames. The radio crackled to life and the windshield wipers began rotating at a speed even too slow for drizzle. As Rihanna's umbrella launched on the radio, one of the warped windshield washers activated. A half-hearted squirt of water rising and falling repeatedly up and down Red's face. Looks like it's gonna be one of them days, Red said, water dripping off his nose and chin. This is all one of them days rolled into one, Baldy said, seething, his upper lip quivering as an intense stream of water drilled his left eyeball, a small river rushing down his face and inside his smoking collar. And I'm gonna take real pleasure, slowly insert a red-hot poker deep into places that Hogarth asshole didn't even know existed. And now a word from theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking. You have now reached the end of chapter 18.